Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 113 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. the Graveyard Grumbler. And today's episode, I feel like I am the tabloids right now. Like, I am L.A. Expose. I am literally the reporter for famous people in the tabloids because I have a bombshell of an episode to give to you. Now, I'm pretty sure some of you who are listening to this might already know this, but I did not. When I read this and when I heard about this, I was, I mean, talking about like jaw-dropping shocked. I did not understand why, oh, why did this get past me? But at the same time, I am not surprised at the fact that this is actually what's happening. So what today's episode is going to be about, actually, the title of the episode today is The Devil Made Him Do It. That's what the title of the episode is. However, what this is actually about is about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yahtzee, I knew for a fact that I would have your ears attention right now. And when I'm telling you that I have a bombshell expose for you. I have a bombshell expose. So let's get into it. I'm going to go ahead and refresh a lot of my listeners on who Ed and Lorraine Warren are. I'm pretty sure you might have an idea, but for those of you who just watch the movies and enjoy them and don't really know too much about what's going on, I'm just going to give a brief little, little background on the Warrens and then I'll get into the bombshell information because God damn, I'm telling you. So who are the Warrens? Ed Warren, born September 7th, 1926, and Lorraine Warren, born January 31st, 1927, were American paranormal investigators and authors associated with prominent cases of alleged hauntings. Again, we watched the movie The The Conjuring 1, 2, and 3. We watched Annabelle. We watched Amityville Horror, The Haunting in Connecticut. We watched, you know, we, we were familiar with those voices. But if you're not familiar with how those voices, that those voices, <laughs> we're familiar with those movies, but what, what you might not be familiar with is that every single person there, every single movie were, were, a, were pretty much not contracted, but dictated and overviewed by Lorraine Warren. The Warrens had a piece, apparently those were some of their investigations, but we're, we'll get more into that. Edward was a, was a self-taught and self-professed demonologist, author, and lecturer. Lorraine professed to be clairvoyant and a light trans medium who worked closely with her husband. Now, that's, you know, we, we've seen the movies where they, they have her looking at having these premonitions where she walks in and she sees dark clouds over people's heads and she sees mel, um, uh, mel, what is it, a malevolent, malevolent things that are, that are haunting these people. And of course, you know, they, they spring into action and all of a sudden everything's all good and, and fuzzy and rosy again, right? Wrong. According to reports, Ed Warren has never even not once, not ever, not once even have gotten a, a, cert, a level one certification in demonologist. He's never even not once ever even enrolled in a program. Con, uh, <laughs> con, uh, what is that called? Um, relating to demonologist. He's, he's never even done it. He just said one day, uh, walla walla bing bag, boom, I am a demonologist and now you're going to pay me. Put some respect on my name because I am a demonologist and I'm now world renowned. And so when these two wackadoos get together, 
Now we have the making of something big, right? Right. So let's continue. In 1952, the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. They authored many books about the paranormal and about their private investigations into various reports of paranormal activity. So according to what I have read, was that every time the Warrens would go out to do an investigation, they wouldn't really charge a fee. However, they would keep the rights to everything that they investigated. So therefore, the family wouldn't be able to make any sort of claim or any sort of money or any sort of anything without the written express consent by the Warrens. Kind of fishy, 100% fishy, without a doubt fishy. But one thing is, is that why did they do it? Well, we're going to get into it. They claim to have investigated well over 10,000 cases during their, during their career. The Warrens were among the first investigators in the Amityville haunting. Now, we remember the, the Amityville haunting. We watched the movie. It was a phenomenal movie. What we saw was a house complaining or saying that, they, uh, that the house was haunted. They forced the, the oldest son to go and shoot the entire family, which was the mom, the dad, and the two younger siblings. He just pulled out the 12-gate shoddy and bloop, bloom, bloop, bloom, and he blamed it on being possessed by the house. Okay, right, right. And again, the Warrens were deeply involved in that. We all know the end result of the Amityville horror by professional detectives and everybody else who researched and explained what was going on. And I I believe I did an episode on the Amityville horror, which I said that it was a fake, a fraud, and a phony. According to the Warrens, according to the the Warrens, the official website of the NESPR Viva Glam magazine and several other sources, the NSPR uses a variety of individuals, including medical doctors, researchers, police officers, nurses, college students, and members of the clergy in its investigation. Now, according to reports, these are all homies and friends that they all have brunch with and get a little piece of the action. So is it believable that these guys have unbiased opinions on exactly what's going on? No, not one bit. I don't believe it, and I don't, I, I don't understand why they think that they think that having these type of people involved in their investigations is going to build their credibility. You know, you can have a lot of people involved in your, in your circle, but if you're paying them off and you're making some sort of side deal saying, yo, if you just cooperate with me and you say, uh-huh, that's right, then everything's going to be fine and we're going to make millions. I don't believe them. Anybody involved with the Warren as far the Warrens as far as saying, yeah, this is a credible source, and this was the really real shit because I was there. I don't believe it. I don't care if you were there. Stories of ghost hunting popularized by the Warrens have been adapted as or have indirectly inspired dozens of films, television series, and documentaries, including several films in the Amityville Horror Series and the films in the Conjuring Universe. Now, there was one Amityville movie that I really enjoyed, and that was the one with Ryan Reynolds. That was a goddamn good movie. That was probably the best Amityville horror movie ever. Yeah, don't come at me, bro. You probably think I'm full of it, but I really dug it. I thought that was probably the best acting, best kind of freaky movie that came out with Amityville. Now, of course, all of the movies for The Conjuring Universe were fucking excellent, except for The Conjuring 2. That was probably one of the worst films ever created. In the Conjuring universe. I thought The Nun was bad, but then I rewatched it. I'm like, no, The, the Nun is pretty legit. I, I actually enjoyed that movie. But The Conjuring 2 was, was, it was ridiculous. So let's go over a little bit, some other notable cases. I'm just going to read a little bit of, of what each is, uh, is involved in, and we'll get to the groundbreaking tabloid news that I just found out that you might not, that you might know, you might not know. I don't know. 
But again, I just found this out and I had to share it with you guys tonight. So notable cases include Annabelle. According to the Warrens, in the year 1968, two roommates claimed their Raggedy Ann doll was possessed by the spirit of a young girl named Annabelle Higgins. The Warrens took the doll, telling the roommates it was, quote, being manipulated by an inhumane presence, end quote, and put it on display at the family's occult museum. The legend of the doll inspired several films in the Conjuring universe and is a motive in many others. Look, okay. If it's true or if it's not true, why in the good goddamn hell shit nuts am I going to bring a possessed demon-ass doll into my house, into my home, and have that shit on display? I mean, yeah, I get I get it. You want to make the chippers. You want to make them frog skins. Get those racks on racks on racks saying, hey, this is really haunted. Ooh, come look at it. I get it. But at the same time, if this shit was real, why are you inviting all that evilness inside of your home and then trying to take a nap with your snuggy wuggies knowing that you have something that evil in your home and it can fuck you up at any given second? If you look at if you look at pictures from the occult museum of the Warrens, you can see it inside of a glass case that says Positive t- positively do not open. If I have to put something in a glass case and say positively do not open, I'm not going to have it in my home. But again, that, that's we're just going through some of the some of the uh cases here that the, the Warrens were involved in. The Perrin family, in 1971, the Warrens claimed that the Harrisville, Rhode Island home of the Perrin family was haunted by a witch who had lived there in the early 19th century. According to the Warrens, Bathsheba Sherman cursed the land so that whoever lived there somehow died a terrible death. The story is the subject of the 2013 film The Conjuring. Lorraine Warren was a consult, well, excuse me, Lorraine Warren was a consultant to the production and appeared in a cameo role in the film. A reporter for USA Today covered the film's supposed factual grounding. Now, again, I am a fan of The Conjuring. The Conjuring was a great film. It was probably one of the best horror films I watched in a long, long time. What I did not appreciate was the fact that after that film came out, a bunch of shit about debunking it and everything came out. I'm like, man, because, you know, at the end of it, you say based on a true story, you know, you you start getting a little more freaked out, but then you hear all this other shit, but that's neither here nor there. Amityville. The Warrens are best known for their involvement in the 1975 Amityville horror in which New York couple George and Kathy Lutz claimed that their house was haunted by a violent, demonic presence so intense that he eventually drove them out of their home. This was the Amityville house to where the, the Luz family who lived there after was the one, I can't think of the last name of the guy of the actual house that that possessed the guy and then he shot his entire family. I can't remember the name, but allegedly the Lutz family or Lutz family, I can't remember the exact name, but the, whoever that is, they lived there post the, the massacre of, of the guy's family, which he was serving life in prison for. And of course, they eventually said they saw black or green ooze coming down the walls and the stairs and the and the house was talking to them, trying to convince them to do this and that and all this other such. And it, it ended up being, you know, debunked, which again, I did an episode on the Amityville Horror and I was very upset and very, very, dis- <laughs> uh, I was very, very sad to know that it was actually debunked. The Amityville Horror Conspiracy author Stephen and Roxanne Kaplan characterized the case as a hoax. Lorraine Warren told a reporter for the Express Times newspaper that the Amityville Horror was not a hoax. The reported haunting was the basis for the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, and adapted into the 1979 and 2005 films of the same name, while also serving as inspiration for the film series that followed. The Warren's versions of the events is partially adapted and portrayed in the opening sequence of The Conjuring 2. 
According to Benjamin Radford, the story was refuted by eyewitnesses, investigations, and forensic evidence. In 1979, lawyer William Weber stated that he, Jay Anson, and the occupants invented the horror story over many bottles of wine. See, and that was what I said in the in the Amityville episode was that, I think, I think the name of that episode is Hell House. But I mentioned that it was debunked because they finally came out and said that they had proof that this was all this was all made up. Everything was was in their imagination. And, and it they had written proof and everything to where it, it debunked everything that the Warrens had said, even though the Warrens are highly credited for the Amityville Horror House. I don't think that they should be, but again, that, that's just my unprofessional opinion. Enfield Poltergeist in 1977, the Warrens investigated claims that a family in the North London suburb of Enfield was haunted by poltergeist activity. While a number of independent observers dismissed the incident as a hoax carried out by the attention-hungry children, the Warrens were convinced that it was a case of demonic possession. The story was the inspiration for The Conjuring 2, although critics say the Warrens were involved to a far lesser degree than portrayed in the movie, and in fact had shown up to the scene uninvited and been refused admittance to the home. Again, the Warrens are fake, fraudulent, money-grabbing circus folk. That's all they are. They did nothing of any relevance. They did nothing to, to solidify anything other than pull the old wool over someone's eyes. Again, this is where they went into the actual infield place. They were there for a couple of days. They weren't wanted, and then they left. So I will get to more of that later, but let's continue. Again, I, 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 appreciate, I, I appreciate the buildup of the Warrens. I just don't appreciate the Warrens now that I'm finding more dirt on them. Guy Lyon Playfor, a parapsychologist who investigated the, the Enfield case alongside Maurice Gross, also says the film greatly exaggerated the, ro the Warrens' role in the investigation. He stated in 2016 that they turned up once and that Ed Warren told Playfair the Warrens could make a lot of money out of the case. He corroborated the claim that the Warrens were not invited to the Enfield house and that nobody in the family had ever heard of him until Ed turned up. Now listen to what I just read. This gentleman said he corroborated the claim that the Warrens were not invited to the Enfield house and that nobody in the family had ever heard of him until Ed Warren turned up. Meaning that these guys in London were like, Crocky, mate, who the fuck is this old chap? Who the fuck, mate, is this fucking cunt? You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden the Warrens are like, damn, you don't know me? And they're like, no, mate, we have no idea who the fuck you are. And then he said, oh, and then he left. So in actuality, and this was written reports by this gentleman who said that by Maurice Gross and the other gentleman that, that, that reviewed this side, that they actually have eyewitness saying that nobody knew who the Warrens were until they, and they said, surprise, motherfucker, I'm here to investigate, motherfucker. And they're like, yo, I don't even know who you are. And, but the Warrens want to put themselves all up in their business. They want to put them all in there and say, yo, I had everything to do with it. But they didn't. They, they mooched off of it and leached off of everybody else's suffering. Let's continue. Arnie Johnson, The Devil in Connecticut by Gerald Brittle was republished as a movie tie-in for the releases of The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It based on the Warrens' real-life Connecticut case. I just did a Patreon episode on The Devil Made Me Do It. I, I, just, I literally just released it earlier yesterday. In 1981, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson was accused of killing his landlord, Alan Bono. Ed and Lorraine Warren had been called prior to the killing to deal with the alleged demonic possession of the younger brother of Johnson's fiance. The Warren subsequently claimed that Johnson was also possessed. 
If you want to hear that episode, you're going to have to pay that $5 hollas and get into the Patreon because that's where the episode is has been released. At the trial, Johnson attempted to plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession, but was unsuccessful with his plea. This story serves as the inspiration for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. The case was described in the 1983 book, The Devil in Connecticut by Gerald Brittle. So according allegedly to reports was that Ed Warren had figured that he was going to be a prime witness. He was going to be a prime member of the defense team to help Arnie get off and, and get free. Free as a bird. I'm free. Free falling. But instead, the, the entire defense team and the judge said, uh, let me ask you a couple questions. And Ed Warren said, allow me to introduce myself. Okay, you're done. What? Ed Warren was not a material witness. Ed Warren had no say-so at all regarding anything that went on with this case. Although he likes to portray himself as being right in the middle of everything, he never was. They didn't allow him because he was full of shit. You're not going to be able to defend someone who killed somebody based off demonic possession. It failed in Europe. They've tried it multiple times. The only time that something like that has been successful has been in what? In what? Small villages who claim black magic and everything else by medicine men. Proven fact, look it up. Don't come at me, bro. Put some respect on my name. Snedeker House. In 1986, Ed and Lorraine Warren arrived and proclaimed the Snedeker House a former funeral home to be infested with demons. Again, this is their claim. There has been no actual proof. The case was featured in the 1993 book In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. A TV film that later became part of Discovery Channel series A Haunting was produced in 2002. The Haunting in Connecticut, a film based on the Warrens' version of the events and directed by Peter Cornwell, was released in 2009. Again, these are all reports that have all been documented by the, lore, by the, by the Warrens, but have yet to be shown and released in, in public view. Again, we, have, we, we hear all these accounts being told by Lorraine Warren and, of course, by Ed before he passed his soul. May he rest in peace. But the point is, is that if you have all of this damning evidence, if you have everything, why not just let it all open up the floodgates? Just let that shit come out like a tsunami. Just hit the, the just hit the shore and let's fucking get it. But no, none of it was ever released. None of it was ever shown in the public eye. Instead, it was picked, prodded, and chosen onto what was released and what exactly was being shared with the public. Horror author Ray Garten, who wrote an account of the alleged haunting of the Snedeker family in South in Southington, Connecticut, later called into question the veracity of the accounts contained in his book, saying, quote, The family involved, which was going through some serious problems like alcoholism and drug addiction, could not keep their story straight, and I became very frustrated. It's hard writing a nonfiction book when all the people involved are telling you different stories, end quote. To paranormal investigator Benjamin Radford, Garten said of Lorraine, saying, quote, if she told me the sun would come up tomorrow morning, I'd get a second opinion, end quote. God damn. Homeboy just said, if Lorraine Warren said, if she told me the sun would come up tomorrow morning, I'd get a second opinion. That's how much credibility that they actually had. This was insane to even say something like that. That's how much they valued the, the Warren's opinion. If, if, if Lorraine Warren told Homeboy the sun's coming up tomorrow, dude just said, yeah, I'm going to have to get a second opinion on that, my girl. I don't believe you. If that quote right there doesn't make you, make you scratch your eye and say, huh, this sounds a little suspicious. Why are the Warrens have such high credibility when their peers and other people alike are doubting them? Think about it. 
This dude just straight up said if Lorraine Warren said the sun comes up tomorrow, he would get a second opinion. God damn. That I mean, look, look, I'm 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 not a judge, but I think that's a pretty hardcore ruling right there to saying they were full of shit. Smurl family, Pennsylvania residents Jack and Janet Smurl reported their home was disturbed by numerous supernatural phenomena, including sounds, smell, and apparitions. The Warrens became involved and claimed that the Smurl home was occupied by four spirits and also a demon that allegedly sexually assaulted Jack and Janet. The Smurl's version of the story was the subject of a 1986 paperback titled The Haunted and television film of the same name directed by Robert Mandel. Look. I read about that, and apparently there was some family uh, no-nos that were that were sexually assaulting these people. All right, Jack and Janet. I believe that was the the home of yeah, Jack and Janet. They were owners, and apparently there was somebody that was just just messing with them, like physically. And I'm not going to get too much into that because that's not my my duty. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the Warrens, but you know. They're going to run with it. They're going to buy the rights to everything. And they're going to try to figure out a way to make the money. And and they've said it before. They've been caught saying, yo, we can make a lot of money off of this. Well, I'm not sure if they said yo, but I'm pretty sure they said we can make a lot of money off of this. Union Cemetery, Ed Warren's book, Graveyard, True Hauntings from an Old New England Cemetery, St. Martin's Press, 1992, features a white lady ghost which haunts Union Cemetery. He claimed to have captured her essence on film. I'm going to get to that. I'm not going to comment on that. Wait until the end. And you will hear what that has to say and about what is going on. Now, let's get into their credibility. Again, I keep I keep doubting their credibility. I keep doubting that whatever they do and say is completely full of shit. You can't, you can't really take a tin can and say that it's full of gold and then put it under a bridge and let it collapse and say, oh, you can't see it anymore, but it was there, I promise. No one's going to believe you. Get the fuck out of here. I don't know what all that has to do with each other, but it just made sense to me in my head at the time. So don't come at me, bro. But look, let's, let's get into the credibility. Skeptics Perry DeAngelis and Steven Novella investigated the Warren's evidence and described it as Blarney. I don't know the fuck Blarney is. I guess bar, Blarney means baloney in British or something. I don't know. If somebody knows, let me know. Skeptical investigators Joe Nickel and Benjamin Radford concluded that the better known hauntings, Amityville and Snedeker are family haunting, did not happen and had been invented. These were people that went back and investigated shortly after, or if not, have investigated through all the accounts and all the eyewitnesses to come to this conclusion, stating Amityville and the Snedeker family haunting did not happen and had been invented. What do you say about that? Now, look, I am a very firm believer in giving someone the benefit of the doubt. However, if the benefit of the doubt is not more benefit, but it's not so much benefit and it's more doubt, why are you going to believe these people? Again, this was a sideshow. This was a circus show. These guys were carnies taking your money. Not my money, but the people back in the day. You know, when, when they were alive and making all this, all this money off of all the people saying, oh my God, you are so cool. I believe you. Can you see my granny? The fuck out of here. No, they can't see your granny. They're just going to make that shit up and charge you $9,000. Let's continue though. According to a 1997 interview with the Connecticut Post, Steve Novella and Perry DeAngelis investigated the warrants for the New England Skeptical Society. They found the couple to be pleasant people, but their claims of demons and ghosts to be a best as tellers of meaningless ghost stories and, at worst, dangerous frauds. Oh, my gosh. 
at best as tellers of meaningless ghost stories and at worst, dangerous frauds. Come on now. You, if you have people calling you out like that, just give it up, bro ham. Just t- close up shop and go somewhere else. Maybe you'll have better luck elsewhere. But when you have people doubting your credibility, that's, it's, it's all bad. That's why I don't understand how they've been so successful. Lorraine must be a badass bargainer or some kind of negotiator in order to, to solidify the war in the state with the multi-millions. I think, I think the Conjuring universe has close to a billion dollars in net worth now just because of the, off the movies. Look, if you're that much of, if you can sell it that, that well, my hats are off to you, even if you're a fake, and a, a fake and a phony. I wish I'd never laid eyes on you. Although I can't lie, though, those movies are on fire. I like those movies. Let me see. Uh, what was those guys' name? Novella and DeAngelis? Yeah. Novella and DeAngelis took the $13 tour and looked at all the evidence the Warrens had for spirits and ghosts. They watched the videos and looked at the best evidence the Warrens had. Their conclusion was that saying, quote, it's all blarney. How are you going to take the $13 tour and say, yo, this shit is as fake as a $3 bill, gold-plated, handed to you by God. All of it's fake from beginning to end. I mean, why? Again, it's the money. It's in the bag, man. It's just money in the bag. That's all it is. They found common errors with flash photography and nothing evil in the artifacts the Warrens had collected. God damn. Let me, I just read that for the first time in really real time. They found common errors with flash photography and nothing evil in the artifacts the Warrens had collected. Again, this is where Annabelle, the most haunted, demonic piece of, of Raggedy Ann doll to ever be demonicized, to be inhaled into a glass container with a big-ass padlock saying positively, do not open. And now these guys are saying that it's baloney, money, and it's full of shit, that there's nothing haunted there? This is Annabelle Higgins who caused a motorcycle guy to get hit by a bus because he was making fun of her, allegedly. But they, were managed, they, they managed to dupe a bunch of people, get a multi-million dollar deal, and solidify the war name in horror history. Boy, I tell you. But this isn't this isn't ha- this isn't even close to what the bombshell that I'm going to le- I'm going to read to you here in a few minutes. Now, don't just stick with me. We're still going through the cases. Let's, let's or we're still going through the critics to see how their name has been tainted throughout the time. Novella and DeAngelis said they have a ton of fish stories about evidence that got away. They're not doing good scientific investigation. They have a predetermined conclusion what they adhere to. Literally and religiously, according to Novella. Pretty much saying, yo, what I say goes, nobody else was there but me and my wife, so it's the truth. Don't come at me, bro. You can't doubt my credibility. Oh, what happened That What evidence? What? Oh, no, see what had happened, though? See, what had happened was that the ghost got mad and he took that evidence with him. And I was like, please, don't go ghost. And then he was gone, and so was my evidence. But I was there, though, but I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes, and you have to believe me because I said so. That's pretty much what the Warrens were doing. You have a self-proclaimed demonologist who never actually had any formal training, even though I don't know how you would get a formal training in demonology. But these guys are walking around saying, these twos are saying, yo, it was true because I was there. Yeah, she was there. Yeah, I was there. See, it has to be true because more than one person said it. But it's not. You have people going back and reviewing these cases and finding out that it's all full of shit. 
It's bullshit. That's all that it is. Boy, I tell you. Lorraine Warren said that the problem with Perry and Steve is that they don't base anything on God. What did I tell you? Fake. Boom. Case closed. Shut the door. I win. Mic drop. No, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. This mic was too goddamn expensive to mic drop. I'll, I'll drop like a, a, a sock or something. Fuck that. I'm not dropping my mic. But I mean, when you say some, when you tell somebody that you are too scientific and you don't, you don't base enough on God. Come on. We're talking about God. Are you, are you serious right now? You're going to, you're going to come at me with that shit from left field on a rainy day with the roof open. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. So you're telling me that scientific evidence is not enough, but put, basing everything on God is more accurate than scientific investigation. Again, I am. what makes me a skeptic is that there has been some pretty decent scientific findings to prove that there is something else oogly-boogling around in this world. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that they're ghosts. I'm not saying that they are. I'm not saying that they're demons, and I'm not saying that they aren't. But there has been scientific recordings. There has been things being picked up on camera, some that have yet to be debunked. That makes me somewhat of a skeptic. I'm like 80-20 right now. 80, I don't believe, and 20% that gets my little ears like, yo, did you, did you see that? You know what I mean? Novella responded saying, quote, it takes the... <laughs> oh, love my bad. Novella responded saying, quote, it takes work to do solid critical thinking to actually employ your intellectual faculties and come to a conclusion that actually reflects reality. That's what scientists do every day. And that's what skeptics advocate, end quote. So that what that was, was that was a very educated response to, to Lorraine Warren to say, shut your dumb lying ass up right now. That, that's pretty much what, it, what he told her in that quote. It takes work to do solid critical thinking. That's fucked up. That you, you can't even do critical thinking because you're blaming everything on God. You know, and you're over here doubting real scientists on what they're actually finding and what they, can, what they cannot find. I mean, think about it. When you're told it takes solid work to do critical thinking, goddamn, that sucks. Look. I know I just have a good enough diploma, but that was a big fuck you to the Warrens, flat out in the nicest, most professional way possible. Damn. I mean, I'm not even the Warren. I'm like, yo, why don't we meet outside in the park, bitch? Me calling me out like that. In an article for the Sydney Morning Herald that examined whether supernatural films are really based on true events, that investigation was used as evidence to the contrary. As Novella is quoted saying, quote, they, the Warrens, claim to have scientific evidence which does indeed prove the existence of ghosts, which sounds like a testable claim into which we can seek our investi investigative teeth. What we found was a very nice couple, some genuinely sincere people, but absolutely no compelling evidence. You in the back, did you hear me? I know I have my, my mic turned down a little bit, but let me go ahead and say it for the people in the back. What we found was a very nice couple, some genuinely sincere people, but absolutely no compelling evidence. I try to tell people when I first did an episode on the fucking Warrens that they are not real. And I said that their shit was not believable. And I got, I got came at left and right. It was like 
a bukkake of of insult saying that I was a fucking liar and why am I trying to doubt what has been proven? You can't prove anything from a goddamn movie. And yes, I said bukkake. If you're wondering if I said the word. <laughs> While it was made clear that neither DeAngelis nor Novella thought the Warrens would intentionally cause harm to anyone, they did caution that claims like the Warrens served to reinforce delusions and confuse the public about legitimate scientific scientific mythology. Methodology. So they're saying, look, they're not going to hurt you physically, but they're going to hurt you where it hurts more physically. They're going to hurt you in the pocketbook. They're going to make you believe shit, make you believe delusions that are that are not real just to get you on their side so you can pay them with something bigger that they can turn around and spin and make a big money bag on. That's what I got. So here we go. Here's the bombshell information that you've all been waiting for. Everybody, please take a seat. I'm about to I'm about to release this. I'm pretty I feel like I am coming late to this party and I'm giving people information that already have this information and I don't care because this is new information to me. That's why it's called the Graveyard Grumbler podcast and not that everybody in the entire world knows more than the Graveyard Grumbler podcast. Do you hear me? People in the back. Now let's take a seat because what I'm going to tell you shocked the shit out of me and I'm pretty sure it might shock the shit out of everyone else. Bombshell information. Where is TMZ when I need them? Like, I'm literally exposing people for free, and I should be getting paid those dollars, dollars that make me holla, holla. You know what I mean? So here we go. The Warrens, popularly portrayed by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga in Warner Brothers, in Warner Brothers Conjuring films, have always been depicted as an ideal loving couple, slow dancing during one memorable scene in The Conjuring 2 and staring lovingly into each other's eyes. We all seen those scenes where they're, you know, where he says, uh, where he starts singing the Elvis song. What is it? Not only you. That's not Elvis. What is the shit? Uh, I can't help. I can't. What the? I can't even think of the goddamn song. Oh, oh, when fools rush in. Wise men say only fools rush in. But I can't help falling in love with you. That's the name of the song. I had to sing the lyric. My bad. We all saw that episode where, again, this is, this, this not episode, but the scene where, where Ed sings that song to Lorraine acoustically on the guitar. And, of course, it's all lovey-dovey. Oh, smooshy-wooshy, he's so sweet. I want to be just like them. I want to chase demons hand-to-hand into the nothings forever with you. We saw that, right? Right. You're thinking, damn, Ed and Lorraine Warren have an amazing marriage. They love each other dearly, and they will always be true to each other, right? Wrong. Sit down and let me finish reading this goddamn shit. It seems the real story of the Warrens' relationship and their sterling reputations might be more tarnished than the public has ever realized. Boom. In 2017, The Hollywood Reporter published an expose reporting on claims that Ed and Lorraine Warren, the renowned demonologist depicted in Warner Brothers' The Conjuring franchise, have a less family-friendly backstory than the films based on their cases would have you believe. Tino, fucking grumbler, get to it already, bro. You're making me antsy. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat and my butt cheeks are hurting because the seat's worn out for me rocking back and forth. And now the wood is digging into the cheeks, bro. Read it. I'm getting there. Calm the fuck down. Not, not long after the 2013 premiere of The Conjuring, Warner Brothers executive Warner Brothers executives were apparently made aware that Ed had been sexually and romantically involved with another woman for 40 years, starting when she was, can you guess the age? You in the back? No, I can't hear you. No, no. You right here in front of me. Yeah, you with the eyes. 
No. Oh, no, no. Too old. She, they started the relationship when she was 15 goddamn years old. And when I mean they had a, a sexually and romantically involved relationship with a 15-year-old, I'm not lying. And I say them because you're going to hear why them in a minute. At the center of THR's reporting in Judith, is Judith Penny, who claims that she began a sexual and romantic relationship with Ed in 1963 at the age of 15 with Lorraine's knowledge. Lorraine Warren, the wife of Ed Warren, the Warren couple that we saw in the Conjuring movies that were lovey-dovey, talking about smoochie-woochie, I love you forever, I'll fight demons, blindfolded for you, my baby, because I love you. Mr. Ed Warren was fucking around with a 15-year-old and his wife knew about it. What does that make Ed Warren? It makes him a goddamn predator, a fucking pedophile. That's what it makes him. And we're barely finding this out. Well, I'm barely finding this out. Everybody else might have known about it, but I'm just finding about this out right now. In a sworn declaration given in November 2014, Penny, now in her 70s, claimed to have lived with the Warrens as Ed's lover for 40 years. Penny was even arrested shortly after moving in with the Warrens for the simple fact that she'd move in with a married man. Listen to what I just said, my people. Penny claimed to have lived with the Warrens as Ed's lover for 40 years. This woman, or not at the time, this girl was arrested back in the 60s for simply moving in with a married man with it with Lorraine Warren knowing that they were fucking around a 15 year old and her goddamn 30 something year old husband oh my gosh why why am i just why didn't anybody tell me this why didn't anybody shoot me a message and say yo tino i just want to let you know that ed warren's a pedophile all right man take it easy i like the show no one hit me up about that no one hit me in the comments no one dm'd me I feel betrayed right now. Like I am literally the, the only one who hasn't found this out. But I had to put this out on the pod because I want everybody to know and be shocked as I am. According to her November 2014 declaration, she spent a night in the North End prison in Bridgeport while police tried to persuade her to sign a statement admitting to the affair. But of course, because she was groomed, she was manipulated, and she was, was fascinated and and what was that word? I can't think of the fucking word right now. But she was she was very smitten with an older man thinking that he's going to love her forever. Of course, she's not going to dime her out. She's not going to dime him out and say, oh, yeah, you know, we're all, you know, this is it. That's my boo-boo. I'm, I'm his baby bear. And we're going to live happily ever after in, in my pumpkin carriage. Of course, she's not going to drop dimes. When you're groomed and manipulated, you try to protect the fucking predator because it's manipulation and it's grooming. She should have told him, yeah, I told him no, but he kept going, and now I'm here. Let's continue. After Penny refused to cooperate, she was ordered by the court to report to a delinquent youth office for the next month. According, now, hear, hear this shit. Okay, now, oh my gosh. Listen to what I'm going to read you, because this shit, when I, was doing the, when I was doing the episode, when I was getting the research, I, 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 had to, I had to reread this section at least 12 times to make sure that I read what I read and understood what my, what my peepers were peeping. Listen, okay, everybody just sit down. Sit down, take a sip of your drink, because this is fucked up. According to Penny's account, Ed picked her up from school every week and drove her to the mandated meetings. What the fuck? Listen to that. How fucked up is that sentence in itself? Ed picked her up from school 
every week and drove her to the mandated meetings that caught he, which he caused her to get arrested for child grooming her and having her live with him. And she was arrested for this, but he wasn't. And then she was mandated to meet with a juvenile youth detention person. And the person that was, that she was arrested for or because of was picking her up from school, mind you, high school, because she was only 15, and drove her to these goddamn meetings. How the fuck is your goddamn abuser going to take you to the very thing that you were abused on? Get the, boy, I tell you. This doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, don't, I don't understand. While this is certainly not the first issue to pop up surrounding the Conjuring fan- franchise, as the Warner Brothers has been locked in usage lawsuits for several years now regarding the rights to the Warren story, Penny's story is certainly the most shocking. I'd have to agree with that. I'd have to agree 1,000% that, that this is probably the most shocking thing that could have happened to the Warren's name. I mean, it's tarnished it, but again, I heard this on a goddamn t- TikTok. TikTok exposes every fucking thing. I swear on everything. That's like the worst, best app I've ever come across. You, you can watch cat videos and laugh. You can, you can listen to, to crazy stories. You can hear about cops beating people up and then getting fired. Then you read about, or then you hear a, a goddamn uh, TikTok about Ed being a child predator. You, everything's on, on TikTok. I, I don't understand it. But think about it. They, they, they're under all these fraudulent claims that they never actually did what they did. However, this is going to be the most damaging to the reputation. But again, people like shit that, I, I don't get it because now look at the devil made me do it. The movie that just came out recently, the con, the third conjuring installment made a shit ton of money. So I don't think a lot of people know that Ed Lorraine child groom and preterized a goddamn kid. Let, let me keep reading. Ed was working as a city bus driver in Monroe, Connecticut. Penny was a student at central high school in the nearby town of Bridgeport who rode his bus. Get the fuck out of here. The two began an amorous relationship, Penny said, in a legal declaration she gave in November 2014. This fool was was grooming her by her. Oh, my gosh. Why am I? All right, hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me get myself together here. If there's one thing I can't stand, I can't stand fucking predators. I, I just can't stand them. But think just how fucked up this was. Ed was working as a city bus driver in Connecticut. Penny was simply... A little high school student just barely being introduced to the world and that's going to get groomed by this fucking dude, this predator, and convince her and manipulate her into having a, a, a physical, loving relationship with him? Get the fuck out of here. I, I, don't, I don't understand. You have to think about it. Just think about the shit that he might have done. To, oh, I, I, whatever. Let's continue. According to that document, as well as newly obtained recordings of Penny's recollection of events, by 1963, she had moved into the Warrens' home. In 1963, she had moved into the Warrens' home. Not the Warren home. No, not just Mr. Ed Warren's home. Absolutely not. We're talking about Ed and Lorraine Warren's home because Lorraine Warren was fully aware that her husband is a fucking predator and was was sleeping with his 15-year-old. And she was okay with it. For the next 40 years, she said, she had a sexual relationship with Ed with Lorraine's knowledge. How does that even sink into your head? For the next 40 years, she said, which was Penny, the, the victim, she had a sexual relationship with Ed and Lorraine, with Lorraine's knowledge. 
At first, Penny stayed in a bedroom directly opposite the one occupied by the married couple, but eventually she moved into an apartment built for her above the home. She said, quote, one night he'd sleep downstairs, the other night she, he would sleep upstairs. Get the, get the fuck, get out of here. How the hell are you going to do that? With, oh my gosh. You know what? I, well, again, why wasn't I told about this? Why am I barely exposing this right now? I, I, I swear they better pay me a lot of money for this. Penny went on to say, saying, quote, Ed was a pedophile, a sexual predator, and a physically abusive husband, end quote. Producer Tony DeRosa Grund wrote in an email to Top Warner Brothers executives saying, quote, Lorraine enabled Ed to do this. She knowingly allowed this illegal relationship to continue for 40 years. They lied to the public. You're goddamn right they lied to the public. And then for a producer to find all this dirt out, and then for him to send it to the executives of Warner Brothers saying, yo, this dude's a fucking scum bucket worse than a scumbag found in the bottom of a gutter after a fucking hurricane next to a power plant that sewage ran on. This dude's worse than that. But they're still going to go ahead and sign and put the Warren's name on a stamp, like put some respect on that name. And, we're, and everyone's going to be okay with, with, with them profiting. Look, if they want to make the movies and they don't get a, give a dime, but the penny gal does for 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 being victimized for three years, actually for her entire life. We don't know how long the abuse and the mental abuse went on. We we have no idea. I would be a I would be a lot happier to know that the money went to Penny versus the Warrens' estate. Penny also has claimed Ed was sometimes abusive to Lorraine. Early on, she said she witnessed him backhand his wife so hard she lost consciousness. Not only was he a pedophile. He was also a woman beater. He slapped Lorraine, backhand her ass, so hard she lost consciousness. But again, these dudes were the, were the most prolific demon fucking hunters in the entire world. Shut the fuck up. I knew, there's, I knew there was something wrong with them when I first started hearing their name. As a matter of fact, again, I went on, I went on, on a podcast. I, I created an episode and I said that there's something wrong. I don't believe the Warrens. There's some stuff that says that, yeah, there's some shit that's convincing, but that's their ruse. They want us to believe that this shit was real and that this shit was actually happening. So why? So they can profit off of it. I knew something was up, though. He just looked skeezy in the pictures. Sometimes Ed would actually have to slap her across the face to shut her up, Penny said in one recording. Some nights I thought they were going to kill each other. Look, man, you know, I don't give a shit how loud and annoying uh, your, your spouse is. You have no goddamn right to smack her just because she's arguing, yelling, and, and whatever to you. The only time that you should ever lay your hands on each other, if your life is in danger, then, you know, you got to throw them pippity paps to save your life. Other than that, if your wife or your husband's wah, 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 woo doo boo woo doo woo walk away. Get in the keys and drive away. Go stay in a hotel. Go stay with your girlfriend. She lives right up fucking stairs. Don't, don't think you're a man walking around with your chest poked out because you slapped your wife. Shut your bitch ass up. They just can't stand that shit, that they actually think that they're doing something, but they're not. And the, again, these were eyewitnesses. I'm not saying, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm reading reports off of the gal, off of uh, Judith Penny, who was Ed Warren's lover. These were all accounts given by her. Again, I don't know her credibility. They, I have yet to see anything to doubt her credibility. So this isn't just my... My allegations, this was actually put out in the public by Judith Penny. Look it up. Now, this is going to blow your guys' mind even more. You thought that the, you thought it was over? No. What is that? But wait. 
there's more. Now, when I when I read this shit, I I I literally stared at my computer screen, blinking my eyes about thirty seven times before it processed what I just read. Oh my gosh! Here we go. <laughs> you know, right now, just go ahead and take a sip of whatever you're drinking. Take a little sip, sip, sip of the scissor, because what I'm about to read is going to have you flabbergasted. Your jaw is going to be wide open, down to your knees, and you're just going to be shocked on what I'm going to tell you. Although the Warrens claimed to be devout Catholics, Penny also claimed that she became pregnant with Ed's child in May of 1978. Lorraine told Penny to have an abortion due to social implications and potential scandal that would ruin the Warrens' business. Did you just hear what the fuck I just read? In 1978, Penny became pregnant with Ed's kid and Lorraine, Ed's wife, the medium, said, you need to have an abortion because of social implications and potential scandal that could ruin the Warren's business. Do you realize that that is, uh, what is that, bullying, that's, that's pressure, that's, that's intimidation, you're, you're telling someone you better get an abortion. I wonder what she threatened her with. Probably to kick her out of her apartment that the Warrens were paying for. Penny said, saying, quote, they wanted me to tell everyone that someone had come into my apartment and raped me and I wouldn't do that. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do, but I had an abortion. The night they picked me up from the hospital after having it, they went out and lectured and left me alone. End quote. Now, Again, I know your butt cheeks are hurting because you're sitting at the edge of your seat and it's probably worn down and that piece of wood is jabbing you right where the bones are. I understand that. But the Warrens corroborated the story and pushed her to make a false statement saying that she was raped. And that is the reason she was pregnant. And the reason she's getting an abortion is because of the raper's baby. The rape of the rapers. The rapist babies. And then not only that, but to add insult and injury, just to add a big fuck you, you don't really matter to me. You're just someone that I decided to sleep with. After they picked her up from the hospital, after having an abortion, which is very, very taxing on someone's mental health, very taxing on someone's emotion. They, after they picked her up from the hospital, what do they do? All right, deuces. I have to go give a lecture talking about how great of a Catholic we are and talk about how scary things don't scare me and I'm able to catch these motherfuckers because I am the boss. Can you imagine that? How can you stand there and say, I owe everything to God. (laughs) Glory be his name. (laughs) After you forced your lover, your underage lover at the time that you you manipulated and preyed on to get a fucking abortion and walk around saying that you're a Catholic, that you still claim religion. Shut the fuck up. I don't get it. And then they're going to leave her alone. What if she would have, this was back in the 70s. We understand that back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even the 90s, Medical care wasn't the best. You were going to get fucked up by the doctor even to try to save your life. I mean, odds were, let's flip a coin. Am I going to live or am I going to die? I don't know. The coin is blank. We're just going to wing it. So she could have hemorrhaged. She could have, a ton of things could have happened. And if she was alone, she would have died. But no, making those frog skins and getting that bag was way more important than making sure that the woman that, that just aborted your extramarital affaired baby was to be left alone suffering and just dwelling on what she just did 
crazy to me. Penny has said, Ed told her many times that she was the love of his life. Manipulation, grooming. The Warrens, according to her, presented her variously as a niece or poor girl whom they had taken in out of charity. Right. You don't want to walk around saying, yeah, hey there now, this is my 15-year-old lover. I don't know how to do an East Coast accent from Connecticut, so we're just going to go with a Southern accent from the backwoods. I'm just going to roll with that just because it sounded appropriate. But of course, you can't walk around saying, yeah, she's 15 and she's my girl. I loves her. Yeah, we engage in undersheet activities. You can't go around saying that. Why? Because it's fucking wrong. And they knew it was wrong. That's why they were making shit up in order to have people believe something else other than the goddamn truth to make, to save his name, to save the credibility of his name and the estate that they were building. Lorraine's reported contract with New Line, the Warner Brothers subsidiary behind The Conjuring and its spinoff, specifically mentioned that the films couldn't show the Warrens. What the? Oh, my gosh. So they, wow. The films couldn't show the Warrens engaging in crimes, including sex with minors, child pornography, prostitution, or sexual assault, and that neither the husband nor wife could be depicted as participating in an extramarital sexual relationship. Talent attorney Jill Smith told THR that she'd never seen such specific language in a contract before. I wonder why. Why wouldn't you want to? I mean, what, what kind of sick individuals are going to depict someone sleeping with a 15-year-old if it has to do with oogly boogly ghost? It doesn't make any sense, right? Right, no, because they were scared that this shit was going to come out because they all knew. They both knew it was fucking wrong, but they still, they still wanted to present themselves as the good Catholic folk the, the innocent people, and all they want to do is help people. They weren't helping shit but themselves. So the hits keep coming. Now, again, remember when I mentioned earlier that Ed Lorraine, Ed, Ed, Lorraine, Ed Warren found that, that, that ghost, the white lady ghost in the cemetery that, that he was hunting for so long? Let, let me tell you this. Penny has said she helped Ed maintain his reputation as a ghost hunter. He claimed to have captured the white lady, a ghost who supposedly haunts Union Cemetery in Easton, Connecticut, on tape in the summer of 1990 after camping out in the graveyard for a week, right? Okay, that's typical ghost hunting shit. Look, I feel that there's a presence in here. I'm going to chill until I see something so I can have proof. It's pretty simple, right? Right. But they're not in this case. It's nothing simple with, with the warrants. It's never black and white. There's always some sort of mixed color on the background that I can't identify because I don't know my colors very well. But this shit is, this is what I'm talking about. Penny claims Ed wanted to make a video that would show what the white lady would look like if she were spotted. So she took a page from every grade schooler's Halloween playbook and donned a white sheet for the filming. And if you go back and look at the footage, the footage, is you can pull it up. You just have to, it's, it's a search and a half, though. You have to find this shit. And if you look at it, you can clearly see that it's fucking fake. But this is the groundbreaking evidence that the Warrens had. Shut, shut up. Oh, boy, I tell you. Not only was the Warrens' marriage a far cry from the one portrayed on screen, DeRosa Grun wrote in his email, but their daughter, also named Judy and portrayed in the original film by Sterling Jarens, had lived not with her parents, but with Lorraine's mother. Penny said she was the only young girl living in the Warrens' house. What the actual fuck? So we can't have two youngsters in the house. Let's just have one. So we're going to kick our real biological daughter. Let's kick her out to her granny's house because I don't want her. I don't want her in the house because of whatever reason. I'd rather have my 15-year-old underage uh, child lover, which I'm going to hide from the world in my house over my fucking kid. Get, you see what I mean? I, I knew they were skeezies. I knew it. 
In his September 2013 email, DeRosa Grun wrote that he had assured Penny he could temper the romantic relationship shown between Ed and Lorraine in the sequels. He warned the executives that Penny might tell her story to the media, and she should have. She should have blown that shit up before the movies even, even started to come out. As soon as she realized that everything was wrong and she was getting the short end of the deal, she should have put that shit on blast. Just ruined the fuck out of them, although I wouldn't have been able to see The Conjuring. But that's okay. I would have been all right. DeRosa said, saying, quote, once this comes out, do you think Patrick Wilson or Vera Farmiga would knowingly play Ed and Lorraine ever again, he asked? The answer is no one would. No amount of spin from the mini crisis PR firm can ever fix this once the truth comes out. Neither actor commented. Do you think these actors are going to comment and lose their, their, their goddamn paychecks? These guys, these two actors are making several millions of dollars each film. The Conjuring, they made a, they made a pretty coin. And then the Conjuring, the Conjuring 2, they made even more coin. And now the Conjuring 3, they made even triple the amount. These motherfuckers are getting paid millions just to fake the funk on camera. Penny has never told her story to the media, but it nearly surfaced as part of the sprawling legal fight over the films. Author Gerald Brittle claims in a pending lawsuit that the Conjuring fr franchise rips off his 1980 book, The Demonologist. Brittle is suing Warrens and New Line Cinema for a staggering $900 million. Hey, man, can I just get like a quarter of that shit? I, I was there. I witnessed it. They, they pushed me down and took your book and copied it page for page, my boy. I was there. The Warrens are fake, man. This dude's a predator. They're both liars. They don't give a shit about anybody but their own bag. That, that's it. That's all they care about. And I knew it. The studio has argued that its films are protected from copyright claims because saying, quote, no one has a monopoly to tell stories or make movies about true life figures and events, end quote. But Brittle counters that the studio is aware that the portrayal of the Warrens in his book turned out to be far from truthful. Brittle claims he believed the stories the Warrens told him, but later found out they were concocted. You know, you, you get you get starstruck. You hear about these names, especially if you're in the paranormal community. You hear all these big names that you idolize. Like, oh my gosh, they have so many, they have so much material. These people are so brave. They've done so much. And you find out it's all a fucking lie. It's like when you're a kid, you have that balloon and you're so happy and you're la lying down the road and you're just playing around like la la. And all of a sudden, boop, it's just popped and you're sad. That's exactly what happened to this dude. Explosive allegations about the Warrens' relationship were included in an October 2015 letter to Noonline outside Counsel O'Connor from attorney Sanford Dow. It is unclear which party Dow was representing in this matter, and he did not respond to repeated inquir inquiries from THR. Because yeah, he doesn't want to get blamed. He doesn't want to get cho chosen and, and pitted against and saying, hey, you're a bitch for doing that, and you're a bitch for not doing that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say anything either. I'm like, hey, no hablo inglés, Holmes. I can't do it, eh? And then, no, I would never answer any questions because I didn't want to get my shit tore up, you know? Mr. Warren has been accused of being cut from the exact same cloth as convicted Penn State football child molester Jerry Sandusky and the accused sexual predator Bill Cosby wrote Dow. God damn. Those two names right there are two fucked up names that you do not want to be categorized with. You do not want to be put in the same, in the same realm, in the same fucking earth as those two people because you're doing all kinds of bad. If you don't know who Jerry Sandusky is, let me just give a, a brief little touch on that. He he abused a lot of Penn State football players, and he forced them. He threatened them with scholarships. He threatened them with playing time. He, he pretty much ran their entire life and said, I can ruin your life and your career. A lot of these guys in, in college were trying to go pro, 
of course, I mean, just like a lot of college players do. And so Sandusky molested them and it kind of got out. And then a lot of it was hush hush for a little bit. But I mean, it was all kinds of bad. It ended up being true that Sandusky was molesting these kids. He was raping them. And, and it, it, it's insane. And we all know what Bill Cosby did. He did more than the J-E-L-L-O, if you ask me. But, you know, we can't really, you know, and then he's, he's out on, he's fucking free from prison. I don't know how, but we, we all know what Bill Cosby did. But to be, to be put in that, in, 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 grouped in with those names, that's all kinds of bad. Mrs. Warren, in both condoning and covering up these heinous acts, is, a complicit, is as complicit as her husband. Mrs. Uh, Lorraine Warren is just as guilty as her husband, for not reporting him, for not stopping it, and not protecting this child from the fucking abuse that she endured. You know what I mean? It's like, look, I know that you may not have actually physically done it, but you're just as guilty, if not even more guilty, because you didn't stop it. Even though you were you were able to pick up the phone and say, look, my husband is a fucking skis bag, and he's, he's, he's raping a 15-year-old. I want him arrested. I want him out of my house right now. But for you to be okay with it, help cover it up, and say that you need to abort the baby that my husband gave you because it's going to be bad for our name. Yeah, you're just as you're just as a fucking skis as everybody as your husband is. You really are. There's no excuse for that. Dow threatened to add these claims in litigation against New Line unless the studio agreed to a settlement. The proposed deal suggested terms to resolve not only Brittles and DeRosa's grunt issue with the studio, but also Penny's, though she was not a party to the settlement discussion. Again, she, she got she got shorted in the stick, and I'll tell you why. According to the letter, Penny would transfer her life rights to New Line and sign a confidentiality agreement in exchange for $150,000, the same amount Lauren initially received for the conjuring. No, Penny, don't do it. Don't do it, girl. $150,000, you can get $150 billion from these motherfuckers. Don't do it. The settlement didn't happen, and explicit allegations have not been included in any litigation against the studio. But buried in a 355-page lawsuit that Brittle filed in March was a claim that Penny was ready to testify about the epic falsity of the family dynamic in the films. I agree. Expose these motherfuckers. Ruin the war name. I would, I would literally attempt to do somewhat of a backflip. Okay, I'm bullshitting you. I wouldn't do a backflip. Let's do like more like a back roll back over to my shoulder and then maybe on my knees. Maybe on my stomach, depending on how fast I can get my knees up. But I, I'm not, I'm not going to do a backflip. I'm, I'm just exaggerating. Don't hold me to that. But if in, here in the next coming years, if the Warren's name were ruined, I'd be, I'd be happy. I would be happy as fuck because they deserve for their name to be ruined. Although, yeah, I, I can say goodbye to the Conjuring universe and all the other cool films that they've come out with. But at the same time, fuck it. I mean, it, this isn't right. We shouldn't be glorifying this shit at all. The lawsuit Penny would said would disclose the absolute charade of the family dynamic as told by the Warrens and as depicted as, depicted as fact in all the defendants' movies. The true family dynamic was known at the highest executive levels of both New Line and Time Warner. The suit said the studio ignored the truth to protect its billion-dollar franchise. That's just, again, leave it up to money. Money's always going to rule no matter what. It doesn't matter what the point is. If you're making enough money, you're always going to be protected, bottom line. So, of course, there's, ever, there, there's hardly any justice with stories like this. We understand that Penny got the short end of the deal. She's going to get fucked. And it's not going to end well. It didn't end well. So let me tell you why. Legal es- experts say that Warner's and New Line did not necessarily do anything wrong by allowing so heavily a fictionalized, fictionalized portrayal of the Warren's relationship. At the end of each film, 
Warners includes a standard disclaimer reading, quote, dialogue and certain events and characters contained in this film were created for the purpose of dramatization, end quote. That's pretty much saying, yo, this probably isn't true, so don't believe it. That, that's all it is. It's just a CYA. It's just cover their ass. I don't think the public understands that based on means that some liberties with storytelling have been taken, says attorney Lincoln Bandlow, who specializes in legal clearance for productions. It's a less enjoyable film if the ghost hunters are a bunch of assholes no one likes. <laughs> you have to have your protagonist be likable. That's absolutely true. You, you, are you actually going to watch a film where the protagonists are assholes? And you're like, fuck these guys. This dude's a predator. This dude beats his wife. No, those are always the villains. And you're like, yeah, fuck that villain. And you don't want to do it. You, you hope the good guy fucks him up, right? Right. But in this case, no, it's not like that. They want the protagonist to be likable. So why tell the truth about how much of a skis they are and then ruin the chances to make millions upon billions? He adds that because these films are ghost stories and not strictly historical, audiences are even more likely to expect fictionalization. There's a giant sense of take some of this with a big grain of salt to this whole project. <laughs> you mean a whole goddamn truckload of salt. As for Penny, now in her 70s, it seems she has never received a cent from The Conjuring movies. Though she clearly has no love for Lorraine, she still seems to have fond feelings for Ed. See, that's, that's the manipulation and the grooming. It's so weird that, that the people who've been manipulated and groomed still have some sort of affection towards, towards their abuser. It's crazy. I'm not going to get into it. Look it up if you're curious. Though their relationship ended in 2003 and she subsequently, subsequently remarried, or excuse me, not remarried, but married, she remained friendly with Ed until his death in 2006. She still seems to be pondering her past and wondering about Lorraine's role as well as her own. Of course, you're always going to go back and, and wonder what the fuck happened. How did I get to this point? She said, quote, as I'm older now, I can't even fathom why Lorraine let me stay there. Yes, me too. She said in October recording, saying, quote, lots of times I think about why did I do this? Why did I screw up my life like this? Sometimes I get angry thinking about it and how, how so much was taken away from me. You, again, you don't realize it while it's happening, especially at such a young age. You're going to think about how happy and, and wonderful that this feeling is at the time. And, you know, if you come from a child, a, a troubled childhood, it's just going to mean that much more to you at that time. Can't blame the victim. It's hard. Why victim blame? The victim blame didn't go over there saying, hey, what's up? No, this guy was simply trying to go to and from school with the predator who was driving the bus. Fuck that guy. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. I, I told you this was a bombshell episode. Let me get into a little bit more of, of debunking the goddamn Warrens. The haunted Annabelle doll that the couple is famous for is certainly an extremely creepy story. That's probably why the whole story first appeared as an episode of The Twilight Zone, which aired seven years before the Warrens ever met the Annabelle doll. The episode titled Living Doll was part of the show's fifth season. I looked it up, looked it up. It sounds strangely familiar to what the Warrens said. Fake phonies bitches. The Smurl family says they experienced a haunting so strong and malevolent they saw claw marks appear on the walls. When the Catholic Church refused to grant them an ex exorcism, they called the Warrens. When the Scranton Catholic Diocese eventually sent someone to investigate, th that priest wasn't impressed by it with the Warrens. The priest wasn't impressed by these motherfuckers because they're fake. The priest said, quote, they weren't sincere. Weren't <laughs> they weren't sincere. We're not what they purported to be. He chuckled when explaining that when he went to one of their lectures, they saw him and toned down their act so he wore disguises when he went to their future talks. 
So what this priest was saying is that when he went in there, he was like, yo, these guys are kind of assholes. They're sensualizing, sensualizing everything. God damn, that word is fucking me up. And he's like, why are you, why are you exaggerating everything? And so when he went into the lectures, when he, the, when the Warrens first saw them, when the Warrens first saw the priest, they toned down what they were saying because they knew that he knew the truth and didn't want to be outed. And so he wanted to hear more of it. And what happened? He started wearing disguises and heard the ridiculousness that came out of their mouth. The Warrens themselves claimed they once encountered a werewolf demon. They have an entire book about this case in which they specifically say they have exhaust <laughs> they have exhaustive documentation backing up their claims, but they never shared that documentation. Why? If you were a paranormal investigator working on a case with a real-life werewolf demon, wouldn't you snap a photo? You're goddamn right I would. My, my research and notes would be all over the fucking world saying, yo, I caught this werewolf demon. Pay me because it's real. This is really real, real. I have proof. But they didn't. Why? Because it's a lie. It's a lie. That's all it is. They just, they just fabricated all this shit. And for those of you who, who thought that the Warrens were good people, I do apologize not really for blowing this up. And seeing and having you see the, the, the backside of all their bullshit resume. <sighs> I'm telling you. I was so pumped up to do this episode and I had to get it out. So to sum it up, don't believe everything the Warrens say. They're full of shit. Dude's a predator. He's an, he's an abuser. And all they did was make stories up to get paid. That's all they did. Do, they, do I like their films? You're goddamn right. Annabelle and The Conjuring, they're badass movies. Do I like the people that, that uh, what is that, uh, consulted for it? Absolutely not. I don't believe a word they fucking say, especially now. I doubt it when I first learned about them, and I doubt them even more. Don't believe them one bit. I don't think any of the shit was real, but they make great films. That is it. We're going to go ahead and end the show there. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. Thank you so much. I appreciate your ears. Continue to listen. Share my show with everyone. Just send my goddamn show to people. Say, yo. Listen, this shit's badass. Happy Halloween to everyone. Please stay safe. Don't take candies from stranger. Well, except if you trick-or-treating. That's the only exception, of course. Say no to drugs unless you have a medical card. And then, of course, go ahead and take the drug. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do drugs. Other than that, stay safe. Look both ways before crossing. Enjoy and have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful Halloween. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end, this is the end, this is the end. You just friend, 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 friend. Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard Podcast. Grumbler.